Hi, I'm Pastor Brad Inman, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. And thanks be to God indeed. Let us pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning. I'm Pastor Corey, one of the associates here at Orange, and today we are wrapping up our sermon series, Keep Calm and Hope On. And we conclude our series this morning with the story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19 that Eli uh, so wonderfully read for us. And this chapter describes Elijah's journey as he flees from the queen of the northern kingdom of Israel, Jezebel, who has promised to pursue him and kill him. An unbearable moment in Elijah's life, a hard moment in Elijah's life. And I'll be honest, this has yet again been a hard week for us. Another hard moment to write to you, to write with you, to write for you. And as I have laid in bed late at night thinking, or as I pondered in my day-to-day, I've really found myself with the gravity of all, hearing those words imparted to humanity's most favorite fish, Dory, resound in my mind, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, over and over again. And I actually have thought maybe that's kind of been our whole sermon series in a nutshell, (laughs) just keep swimming. The tide changes, the currents, they shift, but something different will come, just keep swimming. But then I think about how exhausting swimming actually is, especially when the water is as rough as it is right now. There's so much we are all navigated individually, collectively, culturally, politically, meteorologically. So here we are again, weary, so weary, and I feel like a broken record And I'm so sorry. Some of us are so wearied that we can't even find the strength to connect this way anymore. And and how can I blame any of us? I mean, our strong, brave prophet Elijah, he doesn't stop running from Jezebel to meditate and pause. No, he collapses under a tree out of utter exhaustion as he tries to outrun this threat. He, He doesn't peacefully pray and offer worship to renew himself, to gain strength. No, he sits under a tree in desperation, and he asks God to take his life. Elijah is a faithful prophet. He has been an obedient servant. He's been God's right-hand man. He has seen God's power and God's might 
firsthand. Jezebel is, in fact, after Elijah because of his display of God's power in might as he defeated the prophets of Baal. Elijah has the evidence that assures him who is in control. Elijah has the evidence of who directs and guides his path. And yet, when he's met with this human threat, he runs. He runs a hundred miles on foot. That is how far Beersheba is, a hundred miles. That should give you some indication of how frightened Elijah was. Out of pure fear, he flees for his life, and as he gets further away, he doesn't feel safer. He feels even more desperate, more exhausted, so depleted that, as I said, He asked God to let him die. He doesn't ask for help. He asks for an out. That is desperation. That is hopelessness. And that is a strong contrast to the fierce prophet that we've seen in the last few chapters and that we will see in subsequent chapters. And I know many of us may have felt this way, maybe not to that extent, but overwhelmed in such a way that We long to escape for a few moments, to just hit the pause on the craziness of the world, to just shut our eyes and turn off our dreams for a moment of peace, to stop running, quiet the voices. Elijah wanted to stop the chaos. He wanted a moment of escape, to turn off the reality that the world can be a painful and a cruel place where people are brutal towards one another, especially when they disagree or distrust the other, where violence dominates our headlines, where disease and illness feel stronger than our ability to fight them, where darkness seems to overwhelm the light. Are we here this morning? Are we sitting under the tree with Elijah? Are we exhausted by all that is chasing us individually and communally? Especially if we, like Elijah, have been getting along pretty well up until this point. Things haven't been easy by any means, but manageable. We've been pretty good at navigating all that life throws at us. And then in just this swift shift, what we're facing feels impossible to overcome. Sitting under that tree, maybe if we don't feel that way this morning, maybe we felt that way in the past in a a different season of our lives. Elijah here is at his limit. He is exhausted and scared and malnourished and confused. He feels defeated. He's so hopeless that after he cries out to God, he's consumed by sleep. And as he sleeps, an angel rouses him and says, Listen, Elijah, eat and drink. You're hungry, you're thirsty. Take this bread and drink this water and just keep swimming. 
We have somewhere to go. And so Elijah tries. He eats and he drinks, but he's still overwhelmed by this exhaustion. And he falls asleep once again. And the angel has to rouse him again. And the angel says, get up and eat. Otherwise, the journey will be too much for you. Get up and eat. Otherwise, the journey will be too much for you. And otherwise, Elijah You are so depleted. No wonder you feel like giving up. You're so malnourished. Of course you feel ill-equipped to keep swimming and to keep going. Church, the journey is too much for any of us. The journey is too much for any of us. None of us are equipped We don't know what's best. Our judgment isn't always sound. Clearly, Elijah sits under that tree and asks God to let him die. But our confusion and our fear and our exhaustion, amazingly, none of it gets Elijah out of the mission. Instead, God sustains him in the next step of his journey. Elijah doesn't have enough of what he needs to keep going, not on his own. He needs this food and this water, and God provides it. The simplicity of nourishing ourselves physically so that we have enough energy to keep going on the journey, that is simple enough. We understand that need. It makes sense. But as we consider this text, there's a shift of opening ourselves to allowing God to nourish us on the journey of receiving food and water that only God has to offer us. That is less simple, less straightforward. We aren't always ready or receptive. We don't always take time to consume what gives us energy to keep going spiritually. And we desperately need to stay nourished. We desperately need to allow God to give us strength. Because what God doesn't tell Elijah is that he can stop worrying about the threats on his life. God doesn't tell Elijah that Jezebel is no longer chasing him. Rather, God gives nourishment enough in this encounter with Elijah to sustain him on these next steps, in these next steps for the journey that is still ahead. Are we starving for food and water that only God can give us? Are are we malnourished spiritually? Are we hungry for more? Is that why we feel so depleted and so overwhelmed and so confused? Is that why it's even harder to swim right now? Because most of us have enough to physically eat, which we should acknowledge as a gift that not everyone knows in such abundance. But that physical nourishment, I think, can sometimes be deceptive in convincing us that we have enough to get by day to day to keep going. Church, maybe we're starving spiritually, starving for God's presence, starving for God's sustenance. 
And while the circumstances around us may not change, believe me, I know when I deliver the benediction this morning that the world will still be screaming. Societal injustice, political rallies, hurricanes, wildfires. Our personal worlds will still be screaming with endless Zoom calls and virtual school schedules and work challenges and sick family members and personal turmoil. While we still may feel overwhelmed, pursued, utterly exhausted, God's word tells us that we can find food and drink for our souls. We can allow the spirit of God to nourish us in the midst of it all. We can open ourselves to the food and water that God promises to Elijah and to us. We can draw strength from the companionship that God's Holy Spirit promises along the journey, because Elijah's journey isn't over. He continues for 40 days and 40 nights, and he finally arrives at Mount Horeb, which is a very sacred and significant place in Jewish tradition, the the very mountain where Moses receives the Ten Commandments. And after he arrives, a voice instructs him to go out onto the mountain and to stand, because the Lord is about to pass by. The Lord is about to reveal something to Elijah. And we get this famous and incredible passage that now there was a great wind. So strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. Other translations say a still, small voice. Elijah travels all this way, is sustained all this way to discover God is not where we might expect God to be. We are constantly consumed, bombarded by the things that are loudest, the grandest, the hardest, the most painful, the scariest, the headlines, if you will. And all of those things, they deserve our attention. They do. But what this passage, I think, reveals to us is that the loudest things are not the whole story. There's another voice. There's a stronger voice, a contrasting voice. The sheer silence gets to speak to. As loud as the earthquake and the fire and the wind are, the silence has a voice as well. And that voice reminds us that the earthquakes and fires and fierce winds in our own lives don't have the final word. For Elijah, he believed this moment of being pursued, that it was defining, that he was at the end. And God tells Elijah on that mountain, Your story isn't over. Even when someone told you it was, and even when you claimed you wanted it to be over, no, God has more for you. Just eat and drink and listen. God's story is not finished unfolding, and your place within it is still unfolding. Eat and drink. Let God's word, 
God's community, God's promises, God's presence, God's praises nourish your body and your soul so that in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the distractions, in the midst of the fire and the wind and the earthquakes that seek to distract us and defeat us, we might be well-fed and well-prepared to hear the voice of silence, the voice that counters the chaos, our chaos, and redirects our path. My husband, Tiagan, and I love this show called Alone. And it's a reality competition where 12 trained survivalists are left alone in a remote place to see who can last the longest, who can survive the longest. And the most recent season just ended, and the winner lasted 100 days. The contestants really are alone. They manage their own cameras and everything. And it's amazing to watch them listen. Because every noise there matters. As a threat, could be a predator, or as a promise. It could mean food or water. But as the final contestant was reflecting on his time out there, he began to talk about the silence. When the sounds are gone, how incredibly pure the silence feels. He said something that I haven't been able to stop thinking about. He said, you know, the silence is the only place that lets you hear the voice of your mother singing a hymn from 30 years ago after she's gone. And I just thought, that's so true. At least it has been for me in those moments where the world stops. Perhaps it's as you lay a newborn in a crib and the quiet comes. Or as you sit in the stillness of nature, or as you pause for a moment in the morning before the world wakes up, or as you surrender yourself in prayer and you pause before you say the first word. God speaks. God counters the chaos and sustains us. Just keep swimming, church. And when you find you cannot, eat and drink. And may you hear the voice of hope speak. Let us pray. O God of the still small voice, quiet our inner spirit. Help us to focus upon you and you alone to hear your voice within us. There are so many other voices demanding our attention, but we cannot attend to them without you. Be still and know that I am God. You say to us, as you said to Elijah, may your voice speak through us. In weakness, be our strength. In our hunger, be our bread. In our thirst, be our living water. In pain, be our healer. In apathy, Be our love. We cannot sing love's song, O Lord, unless it is your voice singing in us. Take our hearts, and with our mouths, make your praise and thanksgiving a reality here and now.
because of, and in the name of our Messiah, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.